Okay. Okay. So, um, how this is going to work is I'm just going to ask you to introduce yourself in a series of questions, and then we're just going to have a conversation. And okay. are, there any, are there any things that you don't want to talk about, specifically? I don't know. I don't know what you're going to ask me. Oh, well, I was going to ask you about your family definitely a bit. So, if you don't want to go into that, we don't have to, but I feel no. like it's important for for me to have that conversation with you sure okay so um we can start at uh one minute and uh 25 seconds okay okay let's see hi mom hi google <laughs> welcome to my podcast Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Where 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 are you in the in the world right now? I am in Seattle, Washington, uh, USA. Yeah. And what's it what's it like there right now? It's beautiful. It's uh, it's going to be eighty five degrees, crystal clear skies, no humidity, <laughs> light breeze. is fantastic. Beautiful summer. Sure. What's your is it is it your favorite time of the year there? Yeah, indeed. It's the best time of the year here, and it's probably one of the best places to be in the U.S. because it's sunny and warm during the day, and it's cool and uh, fresh uh, in the evenings, and there are very few bugs and no humidity, so it's ideal. Mm. You're making me miss it already. Yeah. <laughs> um. So my, my first question is, uh, what am what am what am I like as a kid, or what is my what am I like as a son? Oh, you're a pain in the butt. <laughs> no, you're not. You can no. you can be you can be honest. You can be honest. No, you're not a, a pain in the the butt. Uh, when you were little, you were like the easiest kid that there was. Uh, you never cried. Always happy. You put you put you down. You would take a nap. You were hungry all the time. That was the only thing you needed to eat. That hasn't a lot. changed. That hasn't changed. That and that has not changed. You slept anywhere uh, for your bar mitzvah. We had this video of where Hugo sleeps um, anywhere. Pretty cool, personable, fun, easygoing, funny. <laughs> Just lovely, lovely person, lovely child. So, um, and then like, I know we, I know we, I don't, we, we haven't talked about us that much, but w when did you know I, I was not straight? Oh, it never crossed my mind. Uh, it was not, it was never something that concerned me or worried me or 
or was even on uh, my radar. So it didn't come as a surprise and it was never, sorry, it, it never came as a surprise and it was never an issue. Yeah. So it was just you. So it was a non-issue. Yeah. Let me put it that way. It never was, never will be. Do you, do you think that dad expected it? I don't know. You know, dad is dad and dad has its own way of thinking of the world. And uh, This is true. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was ever an issue for him either. Yeah, I mean, I think what was, what was tough is that like, I, I had like a coming out post on, on Instagram and it was very like, I don't give a fuck what you think. Like, I don't care like what you have to say. This is me, you know? And it was kind of like this sort of projection. Whereas in reality, dad didn't actually ask me until two years later when Camille and Julia, my sisters were talking to him and they revealed that I had been talking to someone named Jack and dad said, Jack's not a girl's name. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very dad thing to say. It's kind of cute, actually. He's like, that's not, that's not a girl's name. <laughs> and they were like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I ended up having to have a conversation with him. He was like, well, you can be anything you want. And I'm like, well, I mean, at the, at the time, I was just appreciative. But I mean, it's not like I wanted to be anything else. Like, this just is is me. And I mean, I couldn't be well, anything else if I tried. Yeah, no, you are what you are. Yeah, this is true. This yeah. this is true. This is true. Um, well, I want. How did you become my mom? Like, how did I become your mom? Yeah, when you were born, honey. Well, I, I I'm pretty sure that's true. But um, how 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 did it how did it wind up that you were you found yourself in Seattle, married to my father, and in a place that is completely different than where you came from. How did that happen? Well, this, those are kind of different questions. Oh, uh, well, start anywhere so, you'd like. Well, so I moved to the U.S. when I was 20 years old mm -hmm. uh, because I wanted a couple of things. I wanted to be away from my family for a while, uh, my family of origin, mm -hmm. right. and I also wanted to learn to be fluent in English and my parents kept sending me to England every summer to learn English yeah. but in the summer in England you have only foreigners that are trying to learn English because all the Brits are in the <laughs> south of Europe where I was from yeah and that's where I learned to speak Italian uh, in England right and so the the English thing didn't work out so well. So um, when I, I graduated from high school really young, I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. I what? started college when I was 17. Yeah, how were you so young? I don't know. I just like keep escaping grades like you, you know. Mm. Uh, and um, I was just, I skipped first grade. I, I skipped fifth grade. 
and so ended up graduating from high school when I was 16. And so I went to college when I was 17. Mm -hmm. I was done with college Mm -hmm. at 19. And uh, I did a three-year program in two years. And and then I decided that I wanted to, I wasn't ready to get married and start working when I was 20 years old. So I decided to come to the U.S. And I stayed. I lived in San Francisco for 10 years. I worked, I went to UC Berkeley. I worked for a company, a big uh, IT company for many years. I traveled all over the world. And then I met um, your dad because we were both in um, IT. Oh, wait, back up, back up. Who was your first husband? Oh, that was my my boyfriend. Uh, um, I met this. A uh, really nice guy. Um, when I was in college, he was at Stanford, and I was at Berkeley, and we stayed married very short. It was very short lived. It was a couple of years. Mm-hmm. See, I kind of forgot about it. Um, <laughs> you were married to this man. Yeah, but I was. You know, it's like some relationship. Marriage is overrated I think uh, <laughs> because you can be in a relationship and not be married and still have be a lot more impactful so marriage is a formality more than anything but mm. um, yeah I got married uh, I was pretty young and then it was pretty clear very quickly that we had very different ideas of what the future held and mm-hmm. um, and it was better to split up so we almost got an annulment because we were married for such a short period of time yeah and um it was more of a just think about it as a you know long-term relationship or not even long-term I think we were together five years total well you changed your um, passport to have his name didn't you for a little bit well yeah but but that's when you get married you that's kind of what you do right. I think well that's what you did when I was but anyway so um it was very, I don't think we lived together very long, but you know, I can't even, I don't even have all the details. Well, uh, but then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, what was, but what, then I met dad. Mm-hmm. What? I was saying, what was his name? His name was Jeff. 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 Yeah. You went from Jeff to, so, you went from Jeff to Jonathan. Yeah. From Jeff to Jonathan. And then, um, I met dad in the same company that, uh, we worked and, um, and then he moved from uh, Connecticut, I think he was. And then I moved from California, we ended up in New Hampshire. And that's where you, your sisters were born. So we lived there for five years. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Seattle. Um, we, I was supposed to, my job was supposed to take me to Paris. And um I was spending way too much time traveling and I just could not manage three kids and all the travel and a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And so I decided that I needed to stay home and raise you guys and then, you know, see what the future would hold. And so we moved to Seattle and that's where you were born in, uh, in Seattle. And I hated Seattle <laughs> because it's, it's gray and it's rainy and uh, it, it rains all the time. It does do that. And I needed, yeah. I needed the sun and 
it's been 22 years that I still live here, the same house. So. Dad, Dad told me that you moved to Seattle partly for a, a therapist named Gary. Is that true? It was a series. Yeah, it was a series of things. There were, um, well, the 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 biggest one was um, we just didn't want to stay in New Hampshire because mm. this is not where I wanted to raise you guys. It was live free or die, and the only thing we could talk about was the weather, because I um, uh, we couldn't talk about the LGBTQ community. My best friend in California. Her name is Janet, had just gotten a divorce from uh, her wife. And the first time I talked about it with my colleagues at work, they all told me that, you know, that was immoral, that women should not be married to women. And I was so mortified by the comment um, that I decided I was never going to have that conversation again. Mm -hmm. And then you couldn't talk about pro-life or pro-choice rights, you can talk about guns uh, either. And I was so like a unicorn out of water there. It was, it was bizarre. So I remember Camille had a little play date and I had to ask the parents, do you have guns in your house? And they kind of looked at me and they're like, of course we do, you don't. And I was like, okay, let's do the play date at our house. Yeah. Um, and so I decided that that was not the environment of mm. where I wanted to raise you guys. So so that was one of the reasons. And since we weren't going to Paris to be close to my family, then it was better to come to Seattle to be uh, with um, your dad's uh, family. And then Ross was here and then the, our granny Annie was here. Yeah. So we decided to move here. And then uh, your dad also, he wasn't working at the time. I was supporting the family when we first got married. Yeah. And so what we decided to do is that to, um, I was going to stay home and raise the kids and dad was going to get a job. Mm-hmm. And he found a job here um, with a company called Visio that was then acquired by Microsoft. So we decided that was a good place to, to be. And then there was also this really... Um, uh, you know, innovative therapist. His name was Gary. And um, we decided that we were going to work with him. And we were, we worked with him for 10 years. So it was um, just a really interesting process. But yeah, yeah, that was, there were many reasons why we moved here. So, but anyway, so it, it's been a good place, I think. Uh, we joined the French American school and that's where all our friends are from. Mm-hmm. And it was a really vibrant French community. And we yeah. were able to raise you guys with that French and also Jewish um, uh, environment. So for me, those were the two things that were mm-hmm. really important is that we had a synagogue that we could go to in a Jewish community that we could join in, as you know, Rabbi Wiener and I have a history together. Right, because his um, dad converted you. Yeah, I studied with his dad, and I've known him since I was twenty years old. That's crazy. And he and and he ended up being your rabbi, he, and he, he was, ended yeah. up being, yeah, and he still is your rabbi, he and is, he yeah. is the one who um, bar mitzvah and did your bar mitzvah and your sister's bar mitzvah. So. Anyway, it really ended up being like a pretty good um, situation. Yeah, I, I'm curious. Um, 
about the the conversion because your first husband he was jewish right did did he pressure you into converting at all? I know I know you talk about how you you went into this deep study of Jewish tradition and you found that it resonated with you more than your French Catholic roots. But did did was that part of the equation at all to like be with him? Because I feel like a Jewish man doesn't want to get married to a non-Jewish woman because then his kids won't be Jewish. Not necessarily. Uh, no, he was not. He's uh, very reformed, just uh, like we are. Uh, mm-hmm. He's more of a cultural Jew. No, he was not. I was. Uh, I was a lot more like with Dad. I was a lot more into practicing, kind of practicing like the way we practice, like Shabbat and yeah. going to shul and that kind of stuff, and observing the holidays. Uh, than he was I felt like it was um, I was just really I I still think it's a very reasonable not even reasonable I want to say it's a very um, uh, sensible um, religion Mm -hmm. in terms of it's you know everything makes sense is that you follow the lunar calendar you celebrate uh, during the harvest you have shabbat just to take some time to think about your week and to rest and mm-hmm. you do yom kippur and rosh hashanah for the same reasons uh you tell stories it's i love um, the stories yeah so i think it's just like it's it's a really you know people eat ate kosher so they could stay alive you know it's not meant for any other reason than staying alive the uh, the reason why the tradition is passed on to the mothers is because you never knew who the father could be right mm-hmm. uh, especially when men went to war uh, or were killed right or, so it made a lot more sense to say if the mother is jewish then the kid is Jewish because if we start to figuring out there was no paternity test at the time, right? Now you could no seriously. I mean this That's was true. the best way to That's true. It's very yeah, smart. Yeah. I, I yeah, the Jews had it right. No, they do, and they still have it right. I think they're they they have it's a very sensible religion. And what I like about it, or at least what I found, is that it just gives a little bit of a rhythm um to your year to your life to you know rites of passages uh, i think everybody should have a bad bar mitzvah mm-hmm. because this is really a way of taking ownership as you know i dropped you off you did your work with your rabbi and you studied the torah in any shape or form you wanted and you know we showed up for your bar mitzvah yeah we didn't i have mean any you were very control. engaged don't 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 play it down. You were very engaged in like driving me to every appointment and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, no, but you're very I'm much a part of that, it. Yeah, I was. I facilitated, but I did not make you study. Sure. I did not sit down with you and did. Do you know what I mean? You took charge of that. That was between you and your tutor. This is it true. was not between. So I just I was the driver. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, the same way I was the driver for swimming and yeah. tennis and oh. everything else. So. Yeah. So no, I, I, that was not my, it was not my thing. It was not my gig. It was your gig. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so that's why I like Judaism. Um, uh, but no, uh, Jeff did not pressure me. He was thrilled that I converted, 
but it's my rabbi that ultimately told me, hey, you know what? You're more of a Jew than most of the people that uh, were born Jewish. That is true. So we had this little ceremony, just him and I. Yeah. And you had to get was and you had to get naked in the water. No, you just do that ceremonial thing at the mikvah. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought you yeah. had to. I thought you had to to be naked for it. Is that true? Well, it's. A, well, no, it's like you go to this bath right. called the mikvah, right? And that's where the Jewish. It's just a spa that it's a a, a religious spa where women go. Uh, Jewish women go. It's the same thing as the hammam in. Um, for the Muslims, yeah. and yeah, you're just like, well, it has nothing to do with, you know, whether you're naked. I mean, if you go to a spa and you're gonna, you know, go from pool to pool like the Romans did, uh, you, yeah, you do. But with nakedness is not necessarily the the whole point of it. Okay, I don't know. I, I just felt like that was a very essential detail. <laughs> no. Not necessarily it's like you go to the mikvah it's like you right. basically you pure you purify your body it's the same yeah. way as like you know a clean body a clean mind kind of a thing mm -hmm. so that's kind of what they do it's you know it's part of some of those jewish traditions yeah i mean i think so. women in more conservative or like hasidic communities have to do that once a month i think yeah they do that after the menstruate yeah so they have to go afterwards and no, it's just like it's a, it's just a good best practice. It's like uh, plus, you know, who doesn't like to go to the spa once a month? <laughs> no, I Seriously. mean, I'm just I, I it just it just it just worries me. It's just like the, I mean, I I think there's like little traces of it in like Leviticus or like how women are more impure and like they have to isolate from the community to purify themselves and stuff like that. That irks me a little bit, but I mean. You know what that is? It's like it's man's anxiety about the the power of a woman's body. Mm. That's all it is. Yeah, I would agree. So you you call it impure in, in instead of calling it powerful. Yeah. That, that's okay. Let them think what they want. Yeah, I respect women a lot. <laughs> you should. Yeah, I, and I I don't really think that was a choice growing up. No. <laughs> Um, not really. My my question is how how does this like Judaism and that Jewish practice for you that I acknowledge is perhaps more reform or moral rather than practical? Um, how does that compare to your French Catholic origins and the kind of like religious indoctrination that like you not indoctrination but like orthodoxy that you came from? I didn't come from an orthodoxy type of thing. It's like, I mean, we're like, we're, we're just like, same thing, uh, culturally Catholic. We're not necessarily religiously Catholic. There's nothing, our family in particular, but it's just, it, it's embedded in the, the European um, yeah. way of living. So it's just, uh, uh, I think my family was a lot more, traditional from a secular standpoint than from a religious standpoint yeah so yeah we just we we didn't necessarily you know we went to church because it was you had to be seen more than anything else it uh -huh. was not it was not necessarily for praying or anything like that but my parents were not necessarily super catholic they it was just more that's what kind of what you did like you know there's a lot of jews that are like that too True. Um, that's true. The majority, 
the majority of Jews do it uh, for historical reasons or for cultural reasons, mm-hmm. uh, or they do it because that's that's kind of what you do. Right. Um, but you don't. My family was the same way with. The, the thing, the, the difference for me is that I chose Judaism and I had no choice with Catholicism. Mm-hmm. So this is where it's, it's a lot more meaningful for me because it was an adult choice rather than something that, uh, you know, I was baptized and I had my first communion mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, it never meant anything. It was just like, okay, well, that's kind of what everybody else does. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody brushes their teeth. So I brush my teeth too. Um, but that, that's about it. It was never, it never had a big impact on me yeah. in any in any shape or form. Do, so. do, do you think you could tell me a bit about what your, like what the, like what, what, what your traditional like family was like? Like how does that compare to where you are now? Or could you just talk a little bit about like what your childhood was growing up in oh, such yeah. a completely different culture? Yeah, my family was very, very, just think, um, aristocrats french aristocrats yeah so well, there's the there's the patriarch was my grandfather who has the old he's the almighty powerful entity and everybody has to cater to him mm-hmm. and um there's you know very traditional women men's roles women don't work men are the breadwinners and they're allowed to do they're basically um uh, rule the kingdom, right? So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. women don't necessarily have a voice. Um, so if you are a strong woman, you're host uh, because you, and children definitely don't have a voice. So right. in my family, I was not allowed to join the dinner table. I was raised by mates and au pairs and I was not allowed to uh, join the dinner table until I was 11 years old. So because at 11, you're well behind enough that you know how to hold your manners at the table and I couldn't I was not allowed to talk unless I was talked to and asked to answer questions Mm -hmm. um and it was just a very strict and um severe um uh environment so I only talked to my parents uh when they had to they would we would go over my grades. So it was like this little ceremonial thing that we all walked into the leaving room and they'll be sitting down and they would open the envelope and read the grades out loud. And Jesus we Christ. Would, uh, yeah, it was just like, this yeah, really... you, you never did that to me. No, <laughs> just, no, it was just, no. Yeah. anyway, so it was just like, you know, children didn't necessarily had a voice. So didn't have a, uh, a place to, you know, we didn't really participate on the, um, uh, you know, the, the parents had their lives and we had our lives. And uh, there was just no, not a lot of um, uh, collaboration or connection or yeah. we started to do things with our parents when we were in high school because oh, we were more like adults. Yeah. So, so no, my, you know, that was kind of, uh, our our bringing uh so you know just very disciplinary strict 
um, uh, environment. And here's, I mean, I guess you guys were raised in a completely different way. So mm -hmm. it was more of, you know, a lot more child centric than uh, adult centric. And the French aristocrats are very, uh, I mean, at least the mentality is that, you know, child children are to be um, seen and not heard uh, kind of a thing. And it's still very true. Right. So yeah. that was... Uh, yeah. My, my my question was so you have um you had four siblings um yep could could you tell me could you tell me about them and what it was like growing up with them because one of them I I never got to meet right so there was uh five of us right. so three first batch um happened very my mother was very young she was 20 years old and she had three girls mm -hmm. and I was the youngest of the first batch and then they waited another uh, 10 years and they had two more um, and uh, another girl and uh, a boy your uncle Nico right that you know well and my youngest sister uh, who was part of the second batch died suddenly from meningitis when I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And it was a pretty difficult, kind of a tragic uh, episode in our family where yeah. my sister died, my cousin died. Uh, I was uh, quarantined. I was in the hospital for 60 days with meningitis as well. Yeah. My other sister had Lyme disease and was paralyzed from the waist down. And then my grandmother died of breast cancer and my aunt committed suicide and it all happened in four months jesus fuck. so it was like it was like this oh. boom 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 like women kept dropping like flies and yeah it's a really funny anecdote where when we finally buried my grandmother uh in our plot at otage in the Pyrenees mountains when they open uh, the grave it was full and it was only room for my grandmother. My grandfather kind of said, Jesus Christ, I bought this plot for myself and all these women filled it up again. This is going to oh cost me God. a lot of money. That's so morbid. I know and the, the priest was absolutely horrified and he's like, oh, how can you say that? He's like, well, it looks like we're having a uh, kind of a gathering here every month. So I just want to make sure that I save my spot when my turn comes. Oh my anyway, it was like this really uh, interesting uh, moment. But, you know, that was, it was just not a fun uh, time. But it kind of broke the family a little bit how, because how, there were yeah. so much. How did yeah. it break the family? But it was hard to relate. It's like, you know, you're just like kind of on edge all the time because you don't know. You get a phone call. You don't know who's you know if it's somebody dying or it was just like really stressful and my parents were not exactly emotionally aware yeah so they they were not um just really present for us so yeah. it was just difficult to deal with uh, uh yeah. with them but yeah what i was going to say is like i feel like the the culture you came from was very much a it doesn't matter if you have problems, put on a smile um, or don't tell anybody about it and just keep face. Um, no one wants to hear what you have to say anyways. You know, it just doesn't yeah. seem like very conducive to the type of 
emotional expression that is like the foundation of my life you know so like what what i'm trying to say is like i feel that like that really just set up your family really terribly to deal with this just level of a measurable loss kind of coming from all directions and i feel like that just would make it even harder to communicate right instead of bringing you together yeah you just don't communicate you know it's just like it's one of those things so they everybody's dealt to deal with their own you know ordeal in its own and uh and i was never very close to my sisters or my parents right so when i came here it was a little bit of a relief and you know i you know my sisters have never visited me here and i'm not that close to them i'm not that close to them at all right um so it's um it, it we've just kept it um we just kept it that way. They're, I think they, they get along pretty well, but um, it's just not, they're, they're, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's a horrible thing to say, but I don't think they're, I just don't want to hang out with them. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I know, I know. It's like, but they're just not really fun. They're not really nice people. I love my brothers, you know. Yeah, but, your brother's great. Um, my brother's the best, but my sisters are just like a pain in the butt. And they are so negative all the time. So it's just, it's okay. But um... yeah, I mean, what, what I wanted to ask you about was specifically how this, how this time affected your, your mom, because I only knew her towards the very end of her life. Mm-hmm. But you have such a long and very complicated history with her. I mean, what, there, what did she, there was something she said after, after your sister passed away. What, 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 what did she say to you? Can you hold on just a second, honey? Yeah. Você fala com que? Uh, Cinco minutos. Eu... Sabe o quê? Deixa que depois eu, 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 eu passo. Pode ser melhor. Sim, pode ser. Sorry, honey. I'm sorry. Um, you'll have to edit that piece. Uh, what did you say? I'm sorry. What was your question? No, I was, I was like, there were, you, your mom told you something really poignant. I remember you telling me after, after. Oh, yeah. After she picked me up. Yeah, she picked me up from the, uh, from the hospital and she said, Oh, well, I wish we picked up your sister instead or something like that. Yeah. When, and so, you know, it's just one of those things. But, you know, my mom was not the most yeah. sensitive, uh, loving uh, person. She was actually pretty miserable most of her life. And, you know, she just couldn't be there. You know, she just couldn't show up. She just didn't know how to. So that's why it was important for me to move away from her. Yeah, of so course. So I could have my own life. Did, did, can have my own life and yeah my question is like how like you're coming from this very like strenuous period of life your sisters aren't really there for you your brother might be too young to understand did you find any outlet for that like how how did that like how did that manifest in any way or did you really just have to say like this is a shitty situation and I'm gonna try to not let it consume me 
you know, I think it has to do with temperament. Uh, sometimes you don't have that level of awareness, but from very the from the very beginning, it was very clear to me that I wasn't going to become that. You know, you have to be your own person, and you cannot always operate. I didn't. I and I've never been that person. You don't operate from this place of, you know, I'm the victim, and therefore, you know, I I have special rights because I have like that victim syndrome so it was like okay well this is this is shitty I don't like it so let me go and try to do something better for myself and that's it and I kind of left it behind and uh, you kind of recreate what you want to create for yourself rather than operate from this place of you know they owe me or somebody needs to take care of me just take care of yourself you just uh, you know you, you make it happen and then you don't owe anything to anybody and you let them do whatever they want you just got to give them the the space to be who they want to be but that's not the person I wanted to be so yeah I I came here and I did my own thing and that's it do you feel like because sometimes this is how I feel but I, I you know do you, do you feel sometimes like you grew up too quickly do you feel like you just no, had to deal with up. more responsibility than kids your age should have had to deal with in terms of like yeah. shouldering the burden of your your mother or maybe your dad not really taking an active role in parenting you or did yeah. you really just feel like it was going to be you from then on no i think you know it's you got to put things into perspective sometimes if you look at the kids that grew up in the favelas of Rio where they are to fend for themselves and to find food for themselves when they start four or five years old. You know, these kids never have a chance at a childhood the way that we understand it, right? They're not emotional. They're on survival mode all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all relative. I mean, it's how you, 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 you put it. Uh, You may want to, you can also look at it as, uh, you know, look at the Jewish tradition. When you're 13, you're supposed to be an adult, right? Yeah. So to be cuddled, like here in the Western society, we cuddle, um, you know, individuals until that they are 18, 19, 20, 21. You know, that may be a little excessive for some people. So it's just a matter of how you look at it. It's like, I don't necessarily you know, compare or, or, or look at, you know, I just, you know, things happen or your life, you know, evolves or Mm -hmm. your journey is your journey. Mm -hmm. And that is unique to you, you know, depending on the individuals for some people, you know, maybe I grew up too soon or for others, maybe, you know, it was just the right time. You know, it doesn't really matter. It is like you're dealt with that card and you just see it for what it is and you make the, the, the best of it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just, uh, I, I never think about it in terms of, you know, I grew up too soon or this sucked or, you know, did I wish that some things were different? Yeah. But, yeah. You know, overall, I think it's, I, you know, I was pretty lucky. Yeah. I mean, I think the, what I wanted to get at is just like what you had to deal with, even though you were in a place of privilege in many ways, 
which you which you acknowledge very carefully um is that what what you had to manage in like a four month period is more than some people have to experience in a lifetime right yeah and i just like and you were how how old were you when this happened 16 yeah and i'm like you like i'd say a 16 year old is more prepared than a 14 year old but you know you weren't and you didn't necessarily have the best tools in the toolkit at that point in your life no Actually, I was a little younger than that because I graduated from uh, high school at 16. So I must have been 15 because it was the year before I graduated. Yeah. So, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) You didn't think about it that way. And I, yeah, I just, I I mean, I just wanted to, to celebrate that you got to this point because whether it's from, maybe associating yourself as a victim as you as you mentioned or just the kind of depression or despair that that amount of death and existential kind of change in terms of who you see every day and the status of your family i mean it could it could break people it It can it can it can and um part of the reason why i wanted to make this podcast was because I think that even even today, like there are still like even decades after things have happened, years, months, like we still carry kind of remnants of some of that pain that we don't really know how to like process or comprehend or turn into something else. And it can just sort of sit there and it can just not really not really change unless you you're you're able to be deliberate or reconcile with it or communicate with it in some way. Do, do you sort of see what I'm getting at with that? Yeah, but I think it, it sounds like it's more important to you than it is for me. Um, <laughs> That's fair. I mean, well, you're important to me, which is why I wanted to talk to you about that. Yeah, I just don't have any, I mean, I've, I've made peace with that. It's like, you know, death is just as much as part of life as life is, right? Yeah. It's like you live and you die and uh, and maybe I'm a little more calloused uh, or a little more prepared, I think, sure. emotionally. Sure. Uh, but it hasn't, um, I don't think it has um, impacted me in a way that is tremendously profound or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just uh, it has never been a handicap for me. Or no, no, no. I'm, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that it has been. That's, that's not my place. No, no, I'm, I'm not here. Um, I just, I'm not hearing it that way. No, but. I, I mean, I just wanted to, to maybe ask, like, how, how do you go about coming to peace with that? How do you go about trying to, to reconcile with the weight of that at such a young age? Well, you, you, I don't know, you just, you you know, you, you do what you've got to do. Um, I don't think there's a magic, um, recipe. You, you know, you get up in the morning and you, you take one day at the time and then you see what happens, you know, it's just a little surreal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so is COVID, right? Yeah. Uh, and so is uh, an accident or so. It's just, it makes you a little more vulnerable. It just gives you a sense of like life is more ephemeral. And so 
maybe it's just shaped me in a way that I make the most of every day because I don't know if I'm going to be alive tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. yeah. but that's, you know, it's, uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm not much of a drama queen. Um, I just, I'm very pragmatic. Uh, so this is true. when the, when the shit hits the fan, I'm like, I go into fixing mode. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily into yeah. uh, uh, a, a pity mode. And so that's kind of the way I'm, I'm shaped. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting question. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Um, and I don't feel like it's um, a weight that I'm carrying in any way. I don't think about it that often Yeah. either. Um, I mean, but... mm, I, I wonder how, how do you think that sets us apart? Because I'm a very emotional person that feels a lot of things. And I talk about my feelings a lot. And I talk about the way that different things make me feel. Do you, do you, do you, do you see that as like pretty different to in terms of like who we are as people? Yes and no. I think that self-awareness is a beautiful thing and yeah. I think everybody could use a little more of self-awareness. This so is true. If you if your way of being self-aware is just to sort through your feelings, that's great and that's your way. My level, my way of being self-aware is that I think about how I want to drive my life with intention and what I do is has a certain intention or has a certain purpose or I just do it with not saying I don't look back and say how did that happen you know what mm-hmm. did I find I just know because you have more self-awareness but I think that you know you take a lot from dad too dad is very uh, likes to emote a lot <laughs> yeah. and he sometimes he sits there and it kind of paralyzes him yeah um, definitely and he's a lot more prone to questioning things and mm-hmm. um but i don't think there's anything wrong with you know being aware of your feelings and emoting and try to figure out what is going on and how you feel and why you feel that way that's perfectly fine so uh, i just don't i'm more of like an observant and i'm like huh oh, i was pretty pissed about that why is that mm-hmm. right or uh or, you know, why am I feeling uneasy here? And then I just go into fixing mode. So that's kind of, but, you know, I think it's everybody's personalities are different. Right. Or, so. I, I mean, the, the next thing I wanted to talk to talk to you about was um, the ending of your marriage with my dad and mm-hmm. what and how you think that that impacted me as like a, a 12 year old, 11 year old growing up. Well, dad decided that he was done. Um, he just didn't want to be uh, married to me anymore. And I don't think anybody should stay in a relationship where they don't, where men not happy. And dad is a little bit of a um, secluse. You know, he likes to, he lives in his cave and in his head. And uh, maybe there was a, it was a little too much uh, for him. Um, and so he just needed out and um he was uh, i think he was done with his life he was done with being a father he was done being 
uh, an adult. He yeah. was done being um, uh, a parent, and he just didn't want to be that person. And he decided he wanted to be an artist, remember? I do. Um, and he wanted to do his beats and all that stuff. So he kind of left us um, to fend for ourselves, mm-hmm. and I try mm-hmm. to keep the family together. And yeah. Keep, keep the house and keep the routine and all those things. So it was disruptive because I was not as present as uh, I was before because I had to go back to work full time and support the family Yeah. Uh, because dad didn't have any income and didn't want to support us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically was it, right? So, but I was it at ever. So it, it was... Um, uh, you know, all the logistics and getting your sisters to college yeah. and keeping the house going mm-hmm. and paying for, you know, the finances and all that stuff. So I was definitely not present uh, in the way that uh, I was present. So it just like, um, it was just a, you know, a sudden change in uh, our reality. And I think it was tough on everybody. It yeah. was difficult to, to shift gears because everything that was was no longer but given the circumstances i think we all came out pretty well because there was no uh you know we weren't poor uh we didn't struggle uh to put food on the table right uh we still had um we stayed in the same house there was a lot of continuity uh could have been a lot worse um and, you know, there's always a little bit of collateral damage. So you tell me how that affected you. I mean, it's like, mm. I, I, I can't, uh, you know, I'm, who am I to say how it affected you? I, no, no, I mean, I'm not, I know how it affected me, but right, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I was, I'm not criticizing. Yeah, you, of course. But no, I know I, I was, um, no, I, I, I was honestly just, just curious. before I shared how I thought I want to know, like, as, as my mom, like, did you see a change in me? before and after the divorce and like what was what did that look like or what did that just to to you not to not to me but like as as my mother and someone that's known me for the entirety of my life did you well you were more anxious you were definitely more anxious after Uh the divorce because Uh that is just it's very unsettling because there's a lot it's like stepping on the unknown so everybody was a lot more anxious and it didn't matter how um much i tried to keep things remain the same mm-hmm. it was there was always this well what's going to happen next and then there was also the added um difficulty that dad was constantly talking about money yeah, and exactly. gave you yeah. guys the impression that we were going to be out on the street and i wasn't going to let that happen and it hasn't happened right um, no no um uh, no but what, so. well, what was really tough was like after the fact he dad lived in um my cousin's house rachel's house um, right and lived there and did his did some of his work and he sold some of it and some of it he didn't sell and he tried to do the bellevue art fair but it didn't end up being this like massive success that he sort of needed to keep going and rachel ended up kicking him out of the house at some point right and he had to go off and get his own place and had to go into a lot of debt because his work wasn't really resulting in nearly enough to support himself, his house, and his four kids. 
and their college and all of that. And so whenever I would see him during that time, whether it be middle school or high school, he was, when we'd go to the grocery store, he'd be like, well, I'm just, I'm just surviving. Like we can't afford this. Like I can't buy you this. And I'm like, well, I'm 13. I don't have a job. Like what, you know? So it sort of seemed like I was just kind of, I had to like console him in some ways and I had to like be there for him because he was just sort of all over the place and not really my my father anymore. He's, it's still the case. Yeah. Yeah. It's still the case. You know? So hopefully you didn't get that from me. <laughs> I mean. No. Um, no, I, I mean, I I, I, I I was just reflecting on this. And it, I, I talked to him a little bit ago about this and how it felt like at some point, you know, he had this vision of how he didn't want to be, which was his vision of his father, who was incredibly abusive physically and verbally. And he didn't want to be an abusive figure or a, like a damaging figure in my life. And I think that sort of led him to, to check out and among among many other things. I don't want to simplify it in, in, in any like um, grandiose terms, but. I just think that at some point it it didn't it it wasn't possible for him to be a father anymore, and so I just started thinking of him as like an uncle. Yeah, that's a really good way. He, no, absolutely, and yeah. he's still uh, is still that way. I mean, he's just not your Renato uh, is my partner is yeah much much of a lot more of a father to you than or to all of you actually than dad yeah. is i mean i mean so, I, many, so many words i don't really okay i i'd say renato is definitely more of like a fatherly figure but i think i if like i there there was a period where i didn't have like a fatherly presence in my life really and i and i and i yeah. kind of just that kind of just stuck like if renato were going to sort of take up that mantle in a way i think that would have probably had to happen in middle school or the beginning of high school but that didn't really that didn't really cement itself in a permanent way until probably about uh until I left for for boarding school or soon after so I feel like that that window had kind of passed in a way for him to and I I think like definitely he occupies a, a a fatherly a fatherly role but I think that'll definitely be like a limiting factor in my relationship with him going forward in terms of like when he entered our lives in a, in a permanent way yeah um yeah and so I'm, obviously that's i mean it's 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 been tough navigating that with 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 my dad but um i you know at, at some point mom i think this was this was after this was after my sisters had left and I was in college or I was, I just started high school and our relationship sort of kind of like spiraled a little bit. And, and it just wasn't as, as, as good as it was before for me. And I had to start, I, I, I sometimes took some days off of school and crew was just very exhausting. And it just seemed like we were both trying to like keep it together, but, we sort of let each other have it at some points. Do, do, do you feel like that's a fair characterization of that time? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, yeah, I think relationships go through uh, peaks and valley, and that was definitely a valley. Yeah, so, well, why, absolutely. Why, why do you think that was like such a tough time for us? Uh, well, you know what? I would love to answer that question, honey. But we've been uh, together for over <laughs> sixty minutes this now, is true. and and I have my entire team is waiting for me because I have a oh. a team call every uh, Wednesday, and uh, I, you know we can do part two if you want at some point. That but, would be nice. Um, I um I have to go because I have to go to my meeting. So okay. I'm I'm sorry that it's the suspense. <laughs> Uh, it's in the air, yeah, but I, 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 I have, I have to go. So, well, um, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for talking and we can resume this whenever it works for you. All right. You have a lovely day, Google. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye mom. Thanks for inviting me. Of Love course. You. Bye.